Okay. Um, but I, I, I started studying, and I kept thinking about the parables and what they were and how effective they were when Jesus used them. And basically what the parables were was they were modern-day situations that the people could relate to. They understood, and Jesus used those to teach a biblical principle. So I got to thinking, why don't we do that? And I know a lot of teachers that do that, um, Bible teachers that do that. And some of those lessons, um, Dr. Carney, for example, he does that. And some of those are the most beneficial, the most memorable lessons that, that, I, that I've ever sat under because they're easy to remember. So I got to thinking, you know, what analogy could we use that everybody would basically understand that would help us not only to learn what spiritual disciplines are and why they're important in our life, but would help us to remember and relate it to something that would help us better understand what we're, what we're talking about. And so I got to thinking, and then, by the way, this has nothing to do with the fact that I go to physical therapy every week for my shoulder, and it's in a little therapy office that's right next to Gold's Gym, where I watch all of these muscle-bound people walk in and out every day, and where I am constantly by my family being encouraged, and now some of you have jumped on that bandwagon, that I need to join the gym and start working out so I can get better physically fit. I, I drive across the dam, and I watch all those diligent people walking and running across the dam, and, and I see, every now and then I'll see one that looks similar to me, but not many of them look like me running across that dam. So I got to thinking, you know, all of my life I have been athletic. Um, when I was... 13 years old, I started lifting weights and lifted them until I was in my mid-30s and had broken all the stuff that allowed me to lift them so I couldn't anymore. And I, I thought, you know, this would be a great analogy. This is exactly what we're talking about. And then I started reading the verses in the Bible that we were going to deal with. Do you know that there are dozens of verses in the Bible that talk about the body training exercise, growth, and building spiritually. So we've changed the name of our series to Bodybuilding God's Way. And what is it that he's talking about? Well, that's what we're going to start to look at today. I want you to look with me at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Let's start with verse number 7. And this is a passage, by the way, interesting enough, this is the chapter that God used about three and a half years ago to speak to my heart and call me into full-time ministry again. This is the chapter that the Fellowship of Young Christian Professional Organization is based on. It's 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse number 7, Paul is telling Timothy some basic truths, and, and look at what he says in verse 7. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. The word train there in the King James Version is translated exercise. It is the Greek word that literally has to do with physical or spiritual training or exercise in order to grow. That's what the word means. It's also used in Hebrews chapter 5, in Hebrews chapter 12, and in some other places. So as I got to looking at this, I thought, well, God clearly says I'm to train myself spiritually. I'm to train myself to be godly. But look at the next verse. For physical training, he's explaining to Timothy why he's telling him this. Physical training is of some 
value. You know, I've, I've heard people say that physical training is not worth anything. Well, we all know that's not true. And Paul knew it wasn't true either. Paul actually said, physical training is of some value. So even Paul is using the analogy of physical bodybuilding, physical exercise to illustrate a spiritual principle. Physical training is of some value. However, compared to spiritual training, it means nothing. Look at what else he says. Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Physical training or exercise is important. And we all should do it. I need to do it more. I'm working on that. But we all, it is important, and you need to do that. However, why does Paul say spiritual training is more valuable? Because physical training and its benefits stop when my heart stops. Spiritual training, godliness, doesn't stop when my heart stops. The benefits of that go right on into eternity with all kinds of things. The people that God has used my life to influence. The people that have come to know Christ because of my life and my testimony. The people whose lives have been encouraged. The people whose lives have been affected by my life if I train myself to be godly. Now, that's the key. Paul said train yourself to be godly. Literally God-like is the idea there, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next several weeks talking about spiritual disciplines, why they're important in our life, but we're going to use the platform of bodybuilding. Spiritual bodybuilding. So bodybuilding God's way. Today we're going to look at three things. Number one, spiritual bodybuilding. What exactly is it? When we say that, or we use that term, what are we talking about? Number two, we're going to talk about some of the basic spiritual bodybuilding Equipment pieces that God has given us to do this training. And then finally, we're going to look at some of the basic principles of spiritual bodybuilding. Now, as I began to, to study this, there were several verses that talked about the body and the importance of the body and glorifying God with it. So let's start with one of those. Turn with me back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I want you to look with me at verse number 18. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. The Bible says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Now look at the last verse. Therefore, honor God with your body. Paul said in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 20, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it is by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die 
is gain. Paul said, more than anything in the world, I want Jesus Christ to be honored, to be glorified in my body. And there are about 22 other verses and passages I've found that deal with the very same issue. Now, what are we talking about when we talk about spiritual bodybuilding? What do we mean? First of all, the body is representative of our physical life. Now, somebody might say, Bill, that, that's pretty, um, pretty much accepted, isn't it? Well, sure it is. But, you know, there is this concept, whether conscious or subconscious, that spirituality really doesn't come or, or become real important till I get ready to die or after I die. I mean, because that, that's when people get real spiritual, right before they die, because they know the physical part of life is about to be over. So maybe I better get interested in the spiritual stuff because I'm about to face it. And, and that's common. I mean, the truth is, if you and I didn't have the, the things that we have, the church and the Christian friends and the Bible and all that, if we didn't have all that, we would probably all be the same way. So when God talks about, when Paul says, I want Christ to be magnified in my body, he's not talking about, I want Christ to be honored once I get to heaven and I can talk to him. He says, I want him to be honored in my physical life while I'm on the earth. I want him to be glorified in my body. He says in 1 Corinthians 6, I want him to be honored in my body, in my physical life on the earth, in everything I do in this physical body. And there's a lot of things we do in this body. So, that's the first thing. What is spiritual bodybuilding? It's talk about my physical life that I live on this earth and every part of it. Number two, spiritual bodybuilding is the concept that training is necessary for godliness or to be godlike in my life. Is that not what Paul told Timothy? Train yourself to be godly. The word training there is the word that means to exercise. Now, I think all of us know that exercise physically is not always an easy thing to do. You know the hardest part about exercising physically is getting started. The hardest part. Once you get started and you get into a routine, it, 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 it's not always easy, but it's easier. Uh, some of you remember a couple of years ago, um, I started walking and I lost a bunch of weight. I was doing really good. Then the holidays came about a year ago. And here I am, right back to where I was before I started the training two years ago. You know why? I stopped. And it has been so difficult to start again. Spiritual training is the same way. Do you remember what it was like when you first got saved? You remember what it was like when you first were introduced to Christ and you knew that there was a book called the Bible that you could read and it would teach you how to live your life and the principles and things you read were all new. And man, you were just eating that stuff up and you loved going to church and you wanted to get involved in everything. Everything was just great. Now, I hope you've had a time like that because the Bible talks about when we get born again, that's what happens when we first get born again. The Bible talks about it. John talks about it in Revelation when he tells the church at Ephesus, you've lost your first love. That's what he's talking about. That enthusiasm right after we first get saved. But then something happens, doesn't it? It's called life. And then we get used to it. And something comes along and we stop. We stop reading our Bible or we stop having that personal prayer time or we stop that service we had or we stop going to church or we stop responding to situations 
thinking about what would God want me to do. That's common. It happens to everybody. Once we stop, it's tough to get started again, isn't it? Sure, I've been there. I've been there. So that's what we're talking about. Spiritual bodybuilding takes training, and training is difficult sometimes. Number three, in any kind of bodybuilding, you got to have a trainer. I know some people, and, and I was telling the class earlier, I can't believe what some of these trainers get paid. I mean, $50, $7,500 an hour? I mean, to tell people in order to make your biceps stronger you do curls? In order to build your chest and your triceps, you do bench press? In order to build cardio, you run? What a revelation. Man, pay me 50 bucks. Pay me 25 bucks. I can tell you the same things. I know how to do all that stuff. But, you know, there was a time I didn't know how to do all that stuff. I first started working out when I was about 13 years old. I was getting ready to go into high school. I wanted to play football. And I knew in, in, the, in the earlier years of playing football, you didn't have to work out because most people didn't. Well, once you got to high school, those guys looked a whole lot different than we did. And so I had a cousin who, by the way, was a mid-state MVP in football in high school. He worked out all the time. So I went to him because whatever he was doing worked. I said, what do you do? He showed me what he did. He showed me the, the equipment he used. He showed me the kinds of exercises he did. And he explained to me what parts of the body each exercise isolated on to help it grow. So I began to do the same thing he did. I had a trainer. I didn't pay him $75 an hour. He was my cousin. But he trained me. He taught me what to do. Now, you may work out today. You may not have a trainer, but maybe you have a workout partner. Do you know what that workout partner does? They push you. When you don't want to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and go to the gym, they call you and say, are you up? I'm going. You better be there. When you get there. And, you know, there, there's several different ways we work out. For example, if you want to build bulk and mass, you use heavy weight, fewer reps. And you wait longer in between the reps, usually five to seven minutes in between a rep. However, if you're just toning and you're building stamina, you use less weight, more reps, more sets, and you only wait 30 seconds to a minute in between each set. So depending on what you're trying to accomplish, there's a different way to do it. Now, maybe you get there and you're, you're building mass. You know, you want to look like Charles Atlas. So you're building mass, but instead of waiting five to seven minutes in between each set, you're waiting 35 minutes in between each set. I mean, literally, the muscle you just worked has already gone to work before you get back to the second set. You're a socializer or you, most of the time, it's got nothing to do with socializing. It's got to do with, I know exactly what this is going to feel like when I lay back down there. When I first started going to a gym working out, bench press was my strongest exercise. Legs, we didn't work on legs. I got little old skinny chicken legs. I could run fast. I figured I didn't need to make them big. I'd just run fast. But if they ever caught up with me, I wanted to be strong enough to punch them in the face so they wouldn't get back up. 
So I worked on my chest a lot in my arms. The problem was I would get on the bench press, and we used a pyramid workout where we would start out with a lighter weight, do 10 reps, increase the weight, do 8 reps, increase the weight, do 6 reps, increase the weight, do 4 reps. Then we maxed with 2 reps. I hated getting to that part. Because not only am I lifting the maximum amount of weight that I could possibly lift, and most of the time I couldn't do that, but I was already tired. I mean, good night. Look at all that I've already done. I used to tell my partner, why can't we just walk in, loosen up a little, and let me just max now? It'll look so much better because I can lift more weight. But he said, but it wouldn't help you any. The truth of the matter is there are different things we do. And it's hard to do it. You need a trainer. You need somebody to push you to make sure you're going through the exercises and doing them properly. Spiritual bodybuilding is no different. We got a trainer. His name is God, and He does it through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of every one of us. We're going to look at this in the next couple of weeks at the things the Holy Spirit does for us in our life. Jesus told us what He does. You know, one of the things that we can be sure of, not one thing ever happens in our life that was not approved by our spiritual trainer. God allows everything that happens in our life for a reason. Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. What is His purpose? Verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's godliness. His purpose is to train us to be godly, to be like Jesus in our physical lives. That's why the Bible tells us that Jesus came and left us an example that we should follow in his steps. He lived a physical life in a body so that you and I would have an example of how we're supposed to honor God with our body. We live like Jesus did. Okay, So we got a trainer. He's called the Holy Spirit. And on those days when I don't want to do spiritual training, guess what He's going to do? He's going to make sure that something comes into my life that's going to help build me spiritually. I may not like it. It may not be any fun. But He's my trainer. He's building my life. Okay, So first of all, Spiritual bodybuilding. Number two, the basic spiritual bodybuilding pieces of equipment. Let me give you five of them. Now, remember, this is not an exhaustive study, and God can use anything He wants to to build our life. But these are the five basic tools or pieces of equipment that God uses in our life spiritually to train us to be godly. Let me give them to you real quick. And and most of them are, are pretty common knowledge. Number one, obviously, the Bible. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says, For all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? So the man of God can be perfect, complete, totally furnished for every good work. You know, whenever I played football in high school and college, one of the things that we realized about a football player at that level is that football season is never over. The games are over. The organized practices are delayed until the next fall. But, the, but football is never really over. Because the moment the season stops, the weight room heats up. And you literally work out 
all year long. Before my freshman year in college, I walked on to make the football team. And before I walked on, I actually got a list from the trainer's office at the college where I went of all the things I had to do every day to prepare myself for August when I got to school. I mean, it was a sheet of paper, a regular eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, full, line by line, of all these different things I, I would do. For example, I had a, a running workout. I would go to the track after working all day, and I had about an hour-long workout that I had to do. I had to run so many 40-yard uh, dashes. I had to run so many 100-yard dashes. I had to run so many 440s, so many 880s. I had to run a mile. Then I had to do all these agility drills. Now, you know those agility drills where you get down to defensive position and you slide from side to side? I had to do 50 of those. Over and back is one. Now, imagine this 19-year-old kid on a high school track all by himself sliding from one side of that track to the other as fast as he can with nobody watching. By the way, there was one stipulation. In between each run or each exercise, you can only rest 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Then after an hour of that, I went into the weight room and spent another hour. And every day there were different exercises I had to do in the weight room. I did this all summer long every day except Saturday and Sunday so that I could go to a college in August and walk onto a football field and try out with 50 other guys for 12 spots. Now, fortunately or unfortunately, I was one of the 12 that got chosen. After three weeks of practice, I realized that was not a privilege. I was a walk-on. I was the dummy they used for the first team to beat up on. I was a tailback. They gave me the ball and let the first team defense feel good about themselves because they killed me every time I got the ball. But I also realized why I did all that stuff before I got there. One of the things we did every day after practice was we lined up in team positions on the goal line, and we would have 15 or 20 lines of like 10 people. And we ran 10-yard sprints from one goal line to the other. Whistle blows, you run to the 10-yard line. Stop. Whistle blows again, you run to the 20. Whistle blows again, you run to the 30. All the way down the football field. You know how many of those complete football fields we do? Ten. At the end of a three-hour practice, I then knew why I got out on that track and ran all them things, because there were guys passing out, throwing up, and everything else you can think of. Well, what did I do all summer? I did exactly what the Bible talks about. The Scripture is profitable for us because it prepares us for what we're about to do. All of that working prepared me for what I was going to do in August. You know, God knows everything that's coming in our life. He uses the Bible to prepare us for what's about to happen. So one of the first pieces of equipment, one of the most important, is the Scripture. Number two, prayer. You know the story in Matthew 26 where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane? He takes Peter, James, and John with him. They go into the garden. They're there for a little while. And then he comes back. And what were Peter, James, and John doing? <sighs> Sound asleep. What did Jesus say? Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray. The Spirit indeed is willing, 
but your flesh, your body, is weak. Who is prayer for, us or God? It's for us. God already knows what we ask even before we ask it. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ. Those two verses tell us who prayer is for. Does it say that we are to, by prayer and supplication, make our requests known, and then that will help God not to worry about me? No. It says it will help me not to worry about me. Prayer is for us. Prayer is a vital part of spiritual training. Number three, church. In Hebrews chapter 10, matter of fact, you'll see you turn over there. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, tell us why we go to church. You know, if you were to ask people, why do you go to church? Most people would say, among other things, well, we go to worship God. You know, and, and that's a biblical term, and I love that. But my first question is, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Worship God. The word worship literally means worth-ship, to give worth to. Can I do that someplace else other than church? Sure I can. I can give worth to God anywhere I am. Then why do I got to go to church? One of the things that we're has been such impressed upon my heart is the fact that there are so many people who don't see church as essential for their life. And I think part of the reason is they don't really understand why it's there, what it's supposed to be for. Somebody says, well, you go there so you can study the Bible. And that's true too, isn't it? But can you study the Bible someplace other than church? Sure you can. We have small group Bible studies every week. What is one of the main reasons why we go to church? Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 24, because the writer of Hebrews helps explain this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another, and all the more, as you see the day for the coming of the Lord approaching. You know one of the main reasons we come and meet together at church is so we can encourage one another. Can I worship God by myself on a boat out in the middle of Lake Murray? Sure I can. Can I get encouragement from other Christians by myself on a boat out in the middle of Lake Murray? Not unless that other Christian is some little invisible man that sits in the boat with me. I can't. The truth is we need each other. We need each other. That's why we have an organization that we are passionate about called the Fellowship of Young Christian Professionals. You know what our vision is? You know what our purpose is? It simply says this. Supporting young adults in today's world by helping them to connect with Jesus Christ and each other. You know why? Because both of those things are vital to making it in today's world. You've got to connect with Christ and each other because we need each other. So this is a tool God uses. Number four, real quick, the people in our life. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, Paul talks about Timothy's mother and grandmother and their influence on his life. Do you know that God uses people in our lives as pieces of spiritual equipment to exercise us, to help us be more godly? And by the way, 
He uses all kinds of people, the good ones and the bad ones. And we all got both in our life, don't we? Remember, nothing happens in my life that God didn't have a purpose for, including all the people that come into my life. Then number five, our past experiences. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4. The Bible says that God comforts us in our tribulation so that we in turn can comfort others with the same comfort we got. God uses our past experiences to exercise us so that we in turn can be strong spiritually to help somebody else. So these are the pieces of equipment. And as we go through our series, I'm going to go through the Bible and we're going to look at exercises that God uses using one or more of these pieces of equipment. And then we're going to talk about the areas of our life that we isolate on with that equipment and these exercises to help us grow as we get in the future. Now, one more thing before we get in our, our uh, breakouts. The basic principles of spiritual bodybuilding. If you look up bodybuilding or weightlifting or weight training on the Internet, one of the things that you will be taught are the basic principles of doing that. And there are certain things that just have to be true. Here are the basic principles. They're all found in 1 Timothy chapter 4. We won't read them for the sake of time, but here they are. Number one, it takes work. 1 Timothy 4, 9 and 10. Paul said we strive and we labor for this. It takes work. Training to be godly doesn't just happen. It takes work. Number two, it takes a proper attitude. We've got to be passionate about it. We've got to want it. I've got to want whatever the result is of going to the gym and working out every day or I'm not going to go. There's got to be something, a goal, that drives me to do that. Number three, it takes devotion. 1 Timothy 4, verses 13 through 15. We've got to be devoted to it. Number four, it takes time to grow. 1 Timothy 4, verse 15. It's a process. Paul said to Timothy, so they can see your progress. They can see you growing. And it's a process. We, you know what? You know what one of the most exciting things about working out is? And what makes you come back? I never forget the day that I, I, I couldn't wait till I could bench press 300 pounds. I mean, I, I got all these guys all over the gym bench pressing 300 pounds. They had these shirts, 300 Club. I wanted to be in the 300 Club. I'll never forget the first day I bench pressed for the first time 300 pounds. You know what? It made me want to come back and work. And I mean, I'm one of the big boys now. When you see progress in your spiritual life and you see yourself overcoming difficulties that three years ago you really struggled with, it gives you encouragement to keep going. You can conquer anything when you see victory in your life. And then finally, number five, it takes perseverance. First Timothy 4.16, we've got to persevere. You know what that means? You can't quit. And believe me, there's plenty of times exercising both physically and spiritually when we want to quit. It gets hard. Sometimes you just want to quit life. It's just too hard. You've got to persevere. That's all a part of spiritual training. Okay? So next week we're going to start getting into some of the exercises. What does God take these five things and do with them in our life? To help us grow. We'll start talking about that. And then in the weeks ahead, we're going to talk about certain areas of our life to isolate on. Uh, and we, we'll talk more about that a little bit in the coming weeks. Okay? Let's pray, and then we'll go to our breakouts. Father, thank you for your word and for the Holy Spirit who helps us to grow spiritually. You've told us to train ourselves to be like you. We pray, Lord, that you'll give us the courage, the strength, the perseverance, the desire 
and the discipline to listen to you, to use the tools that you brought into our life, and to be submissive to what you're trying to do for us. Father, make us more like you and fill our hearts and lives with the joy of the Lord that it will be our strength. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.